When I was in the Bay Area covering the athletics and the Giants, Cal Ripken would do the same thing every time he came into town when he was with the A's. Sit there an hour after, two hours after, no matter what the guy was doing, he always found time for the fans, and he's finding time for us now here as he joins us here on 97.3 The Fan. Good morning to you, Cal. Good morning. That's quite a uh, big buildup for me this morning. <laughs> but, Cal, that's always been something that, if I remember back to your rookie time, I mean, you know, I, I just, just following you all these years, that's something that's always been so important to you, is that, look, you played a game, and yet you gave back to the game, too, and you always had time for the fans. Had to be a number one priority. Did that come from your dad? Yeah, I think it was just growing up around the game and uh, understanding that uh, there's a lot of people that love the game of baseball and take it in by watching it. And there's there's few of us that had a chance to go out there and play it and uh, and provide uh, you know, the sport to people that really loved it. So um, I, I always thought that I was a little shy and uh, that the autographer was a way to interact with the fans. And so that became uh, um, part of the interaction, and it, 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 uh, the game is much more alive. And you try to bring in some of the experiences uh, that happen down on the field to the people that are in the stands. They're the ones that really love the game, and they follow you on TV. So there were times when I could grab a kid out of the stands and bring him in and sit him in the dugout. I always thought that was the coolest thing. Um, I'd ask the parents if it was okay, <laughs> and we'd, we'd pick him up and put him in the dugout, and I'd sit there and talk to him for a couple seconds and uh, then take a picture and then send him back up into the stands. Um, those are the kind of moments, the exposures that uh, kids will remember, and they'll start to love the game, and they'll start to pass uh, their love of the game onto their kids. And I think those are the kind of things that Major League Baseball is interested in doing you know, now to get uh, um, the younger fans more involved. Would, would this be a fair statement for you, Cal, that you're more of an introvert and your brother, obviously, Billy, I mean, I'm boys with him and you know, I have conversations <laughs> with him all the time. He's all over the joint. And, and, and things like this, even these interviews, I remember even when you were in your playing days, these were a little more difficult for you because you wanted just to go out and play the game that you loved. Um, you found time for this stuff, but as... You know, being dealing with the media, has that always been kind of a, I don't want to say a chore, but kind of something that you've always had to overcome? Well, um, you know, it's part of it, and it's uh, something that I wasn't uh, um, totally comfort- comfortable doing. I mean, you want to humbly do your game or play your game. And it's kind of weird is that when you get into a routine and you play every day, if you're really hot, you don't want to talk about being hot. <laughs> you don't want to talk about how good you are. And then when you're struggling, you really don't want to start to examine that. Uh, it's, it's necessary that uh, that uh, uh, your people are covering the game and they need to get the insights in. And I always thought um, if you did something significant in the game, then you should be available to, to be interviewed. And if you did something that cost you the game, like you made an error in the uh, key moment in the, in the ninth inning, or you struck out with the bases loaded, you had to be available at, at the same time. But there were times in the gray area of those times, I, I would think, it takes away a little bit from your focus, so you had to manage that, which is what I, I tried to do. But my brother Billy, um, he's such a good analyst uh, up at MLB Network. He does have the gift of gab. He is a little more ex- extroverted, <laughs> but he knows uh, equally as much as I do. And he uh, he knows how to summarize it and present it really well. So I don't know whether Billy Billy had a problem you know, dealing uh, uh, with the media on a daily basis, but I will say that I remember Albert Bell was a teammate of mine, and Albert Bell I thought was a very good teammate. You know, he had a reputation of not being one, and uh, but he was so focused on what he did, he saw he saw everything else in the game as a distraction to what he was trying to do. 
you know, including the media, including um, any uh, public relations things you wanted to do, anything that wasn't playing baseball was a distraction. But in some ways, you appreciated the uh, uh, that sort of uh, effort for excellence. And uh, but by no way that uh, that I did I uh, I tried to uh, conform and I tried to help out and tried to do all the things that I could. But still, you have to manage. Um, you have to manage some of the distractions in the game. The legendary Cal Ripken Jr. here on San Diego's only FM Sports Station 97.3, the fan. Cal, I'm from the NFL, and to me, when those guys have the helmets on and, you know, they promote their players, do you think baseball, and even during your time, I mean, prior to your time, the Reggie Jacksons, the Pete Roses of the world, I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to play Major League Baseball. I became an NFL guy, but I wanted to be an MLB guy because of all the great personalities. Do you think baseball needs to do a better job at marketing guys like Bryce Harper and guys like Mike Trout? Well, I mean, um, I always wonder about that. I scratch my head is that uh, is it the league's responsibility to uh, market their players? There's always a market for, uh, for the players. I mean, there's the, there's the business side. There's the endorsement side that uh, puts you out there. There's the uh, philanthropic side that when you uh, um, have a good cause, you have the ability to get that sort of messaging out there. And that builds who you are. Um, I know the Players Association, uh, you know, when they're talking about how we can help each other, um, you know, some of the kids' initiatives, uh, the, the, a lot of the players are really wanting to do things for kids. And then it almost seems like, uh, okay, is the kids thing a, um, a marketing or promotional campaign, or is it, a, is it for real trying to get kids to play baseball? <laughs> so... To me, I, I, I never, I never really fully grasped that. I mean, Bryce Harper, um, by his choices, can can decide to endorse a product, can decide to do a public service announcement, can try to stand behind something. There's sort of a, a responsibility if you want to be out there um, in a way that uh, markets yourself and you're comfortable with uh, trying to present the game in the positive light. And uh, I think you have the forum in which to do that. I'm not so sure it's fully Major League Baseball's responsibility. Um, to throw them out there, but TV, TV does a really nice job of uh, focusing and highlighting uh, the great players in the game. The All-Star game is just a wonderful opportunity to, and maybe in your eyes, time, when we were growing up watching Pete Rose, we didn't have all the exposure, so the All-Star game became a really important thing for me. You had a chance to see all the players, and you had a chance to see them uh, play against each other, and it was a real, uh, it was a great marketing of the game in itself. But now there's so many more things that they're doing um, with social media and all that kind of stuff. I think I think the players' names and their faces get out there pretty good. Um, but I think the concern is that you want to make sure that you present the game to the younger audience because that's your future customers. Absolutely. Cal Ripken Jr. here on San Diego's only FM sports station, 97.3 The Fan. And Cal, to your point about TV, you know, when you and I were growing up, the game of the week, whether it was the Minnesota Twins taking on the KC Royals on Saturday, Kubek and Garagiola doing it, that we, 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 we were watching that on the tube. And now with all these regional networks that we're seeing, you think that's the opus on really why this sport has now become a regional sport is because, you know, the Mets have their own network. The Yankees have their own network. You know, a lot of major league teams, the Padres have their own network, basically, here at Fox Sports San Diego. I mean, do you think that's what's regionalized the sport is TV? Well, I think there's some good and there's probably some bad about the. In some ways, it feels like if every game's on, you kind of over it overexposes that, and uh, you can watch a game anytime you want. Before we had to plan for that a little bit more. Even in my first uh, couple of years in the big leagues, 
Um, TV, you were on the road for a local station. They would sometimes do the games and bring it back. But home, when you were home, that game wasn't on TV. You had to come out and watch it at the ballpark. Um, and there was the game of the week on Saturday. We had Monday night baseball at that time, too. And uh, that was an opportunity to have a national audience. Um, but it was special to be on TV on Saturday and, uh, and, and Monday night. And if you were good, you had a chance to be on there a little bit more as a team. Um, so the, the overexposure is one factor that uh, it seems like it's uh, uh, everybody has enough baseball and can choose to watch baseball when they want because there's so much of it. Uh, but the other side of that is uh, the more people are on TV, um, I think from an instructional standpoint, people get a chance to watch players play and see how they make their moves. Um, I think uh, players, future players, watch Manny Machado and see how he makes this play. And, uh, and uh, they go out in the playground or, or they try it. Uh, and we didn't have those sort of exposures. You didn't have that model right in front of you um, on a daily basis that you could watch and study. So I think in, in many ways it's good for the how the game is played and some of the creativity on making plays. It's uh, pretty amazing to have those examples readily available for you. Cal, what's your greatest accomplishment? The, the consecutive games played streak, the Hall of Fame, or playing in Baltimore for your 20 years? <laughs> So is that my only three choices? Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I would say that, that I'll give you a caveat. The feeling of winning the World Series okay. is the best feeling you can have ever. You know, there's a sense of gratification, satisfaction, fulfillment, all those things wrapped into one. Because part of the dream of being a kid is winning the World Series. And uh, I have a chance to do that once, so I know what that feels like. Um, and so I'll preface uh, before I, I say uh, I'm proud of the fact that I played in Baltimore. It was my hometown. And uh, I wish that I would have been able to play on, like, Derek Jeter and uh, Tucker Jones uh, 14 straight years in the playoffs or uh, bad years losing in the first round of the playoffs. I wish that I had that. Um, the Hall of Fame is, uh, uh, is a wonderful, special experience. And I think it's more fun going back to the Hall of Fame now than, than when you were in, when I was, when I was in, inducted. It was a special time to be inducted. It's your time and my particular time was with uh, Tony Gwynn, and it couldn't get any better than that. I mean, what a wonderful time! But going back and being part of this group, you know, this uh, this this, uh, this this friendship that has developed over the Hall of Famers, and they look forward to coming back and being together. I think that's the special thing about that. And what was the other one? A consecutive game streak? Yes. Um, that was one that um, I shake my head out all the time. I didn't set out to do that. Um, I just wanted to be a player. I wanted to be an everyday player. And, and my dad, you know, the everyday player was defined as playing every day, like 162. And it was such an honor to be in that position to do that. The streak was, uh, was formed because managers uh, kept writing my name in the lineup and I kept, you know, performing. Then all of a sudden it's like a thousand games. And, uh, and it became, it became uh, known as the streak, but to me it was always the same. I was just going out there trying to do my job, you know, every day. So, it's hard perspective. Uh, I, I'm out on the road. I was just in San Diego this last week. I had a, a speech out there. I always love coming into uh, that part of the country. And uh, a lot of the questions are about the streak. Um, a lot of the, some of the speeches about the streak and maybe the secrets of the, of the streak. Um, it's something that I'm proud of because you could be counted on every single day. And I think that's the value that comes out of that. Um, but when somebody says, can somebody break your record? And I go, Sure. If I could do it, somebody else can. It's going to have to take someone with um, you know, a little stubbornness um, and someone that uh, wants to be out there all the time, but it, it certainly can happen. 
Two last questions for the legendary Cal Ripken Jr. here on San Diego's only FM Sports Station, 97.3 The Fan. You, you know, Cal, when I played, I, I, I'd never wanted to come out. I look up, I've played 12 straight games, or you play 14 straight games. Is that kind of how the streak came for you? One day, you looked up, oh my God, I played 1,000 games. You look up again, you play 1,500 games. Before you know it, you're there at 1,800 games, and you're closing in on things that people thought would never be broken, and Garrick's record being one of the greats of all time. Is that kind of how it went for you? you? You just looked up, because athletes look down. When you look up, that's when you get hit in the face with something that may take you sideways. Is that kind of well, how it went we- for you? That's a really good way to describe it is that you put your nose down, you grind it out every day, you try to meet the challenges of today, and all of a sudden you look up at some point, and, and when you review it, and all of a sudden you're at, you know, 1,000 games or, or 1,500 games. Um, that's pretty much one day at a time that you get so immersed in it. And the danger is, for anything, and I've, my son's in the minor leagues right now, and he's in his last week of the season. And so it's natural for players to think, okay, if I, if I get hot here in the last part, I can finish out a pretty good year. If I, uh, if I slump here, you know, then the year is going to be affected that way. And I try to tell him, I said, dude, you cannot think about <laughs> what's happening ahead of you. you have, it's hard enough just doing it one at a right. time. If, if, the best way to do it is if you look up and you go, man, the season's over already? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> and th- and that, that, that's when you know that you're playing and you don't really look ahead. Like, I never looked ahead at uh, some players. Uh, I remember Rafael Palmeiro knew when Randy Johnson was going to pitch three months ahead of his, ahead of time, whether he was going to face us or not. Um, but I never looked ahead at all. I just uh, tried to meet the challenges of that particular day, um, you know, take the lesson of today or from yesterday forward, and then forget about some of the stuff that didn't, didn't matter. So that's a really good way to describe. Um, and I think that applies to anything you do. If you really enjoy doing what you're doing and you focus on the day-to-day details, as Dad said, you focus on all the little things and you never have one big thing to worry about. All of a sudden you look up and, you know, your career is halfway gone or, or your career is over. And you go, what happened? Absolutely. Last question for you. And, Cal, with that last thing you said, my wife says this to me all the time. Will you look up and enjoy your life? Were you able ever to enjoy yourself while you played or are you enjoying now more so what you accomplished because back then your head was down I'm wondering again at Wild Streak and you're going through all the pain and you're playing through all the injuries and again you're looking you're doing something that you love do you respect it now more so than even when you played well uh, there's two thoughts there that you're talking about now you get a chance to sit back and uh, uh, remember or sit in your rocking chair and reminisce um, but it's not the same. When you're doing something, you're right. going through it every single day. The journey is the fun part, um, and you immersing yourself in uh, in something you love to do and being on the inside looking out. The journey while you're doing it seems tough, and it seems like you're not enjoying yourself, but those are the things you look back on and go, man, that was really cool. Uh, I was just with uh, Larry Sheets, teammate of mine, um, through sure. signed at the same year. And he reminded me that uh, we signed in 1978, so we've known each other for 40 years. And uh, so we started to look back, and we both have had experiences where you've had success uh, in the big leagues and, and other areas. But we kept looking back at the minor leagues, which was the most difficult time, and it was the most unsure time. And that journey, that grind, um, was uh, something that's very memorable. And you look back on it and think, man, that, I wouldn't want to do that again, but um, maybe I would. <laughs> it was uh, – because it was – it was the 
it was the effort, it was the journey, and it was part of the journey that uh, became really important. Absolutely. Cal, thank you for taking the time. You do this every year for us. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Cal. you got so many fans out here, and really you got so many fans around Major League Baseball and all the work that you did with all the fans around the country, spending that time. And by the way, that's just not some cliche story. I saw it, too, covering you when I first got yeah. into broadcasting in the Bay Area. You were always there for the fans. You are always there for us. Thank you so much, Cal. Thanks for, thanks for remembering me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hard to forget you, Cal. Thank you so much, my friend. You're welcome. You bet. Bye-bye. That is the legendary Cal Ripken, Jr. 